Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with performance and how to improve the human experience. Twice a week, I explore the latest science, technology, and tactics with experts in various fields of human optimization. I'm your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. Superhumans, it's Boomer Anderson, and we're back with another episode of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. Today, we're talking intranasal photobiomodulation with Dr. Lou Lim. And Dr. Lim is the founder and CEO of V-Light Inc. He's also a doctor of naturopathic medicine, PhD, MBA, and all-around smart guy. So today, we got into everything from cytochrome oxidase C to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, traumatic brain injury, cognitive ninjaness, and the role that intranasal photobiomodulation plays in all of those. We talk about his company's devices, things like the Neuro Alpha, which I'm absolutely loving right now, the Neuro Gamma Duo, as well as the X Plus. You're going to want to check out all the show notes for this one at decodingsuperhuman.com slash V-Light. That's V-I-E-L-I-G-H-T. Enjoy my episode with Dr. Lou Lim. Dr. Lim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This is, uh, you know, I was talking to you earlier and I, I mentioned this is a conversation I've wanted to have for a while, but as a an owner of a V-Light, I have to say I'm, I'm very pleased with my experience so far. And so I'm really looking forward to diving into all of the fascinating benefits of photobiomodulation today. Well, thank you. Uh, go ahead. Um, maybe, Boomer, you'd like to say a couple of sentences about your experience? Sure. So I, and again, I've only had the device for a couple of weeks now, but I purchased the Neuro Alpha from you guys. And and this was after our first discussion, actually, where, you know, I, I kind of had the inkling that, you know, for me, uh, getting down into an alpha wave state would be very beneficial for many ways. And I've been a meditator now for three, four years, but, you know, ways to accelerate that are of interest to me. And the first time I put it on was at night and you and I hadn't really discussed what time of day to put it on or anything like this. And I put it on at night and as a person who's always struggled with sleep, it was immediate. The effect I slept through eight and a half hours that night. And this was after I had already flown from the East coast of the United States to the West coast, which is a three hour time change. And so it was a very easy adjustment, um, slept through the night. I've also played around with this with my girlfriend and she went from very, very active to ready for, you know, went straight into a nap afterwards. So we've had, we've had a lot of fun with it, but it's also been very, very beneficial. So thank you again for creating an amazing product. Yeah, uh, I'm glad it helped you with sleep. Actually the um, Alpha or even the other devices do a lot more than sleep. We'll talk about that you know, a bit more later. Yeah. And as I said, I'm relatively new to it and I'm trying to adhere to the not using it every day. Uh, but you know, I have used it in the beginning of the day or before very important stressful meetings. And it does take things down a notch and allows you to uh, 
to plug in and focus a lot more. So let's uh, let's dive into this. So do you mind just for the audience's benefit, recapping? You know what is photobiomodulation, and if we can get into the role in particular of cytochrome oxidase C, uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um... So photobiomodulation has been around since the 60s. So we're talking about more than 50 years. Um, the, you know, it's been known as low-level laser therapy, low-level light therapy for a long time. So when the, the first discovery was to do with um, actually drawing a response from animals where the rats were able to regrow the fur after being shaved uh, very uh, very quickly after delivering this low level laser to to that part of the body so a lot of research well, you know uh, uh, continued because it was fascinating people weren't expecting that kind of stuff from lasers and uh, today i think it's gone to be accepted quite a lot now uh, i'd say not quite in the mainstream so I'm a scientist, so uh, I say not in the mainstream for scientific community, but it's quite a lot of applications uh, in wellness, in, uh, you know, to be, you know, the areas where where um, it, it's grown quite a lot until recently where it spread was, say, uh, healing of wounds, accelerating wound healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was quite a lot of work that came out of the original research. Then there were uh, other things like uh, systemic improvements. Uh, people felt better. Blood circulation was better. Um, you know, um, then it grew into performance, which was you know, not very medical. But on the, on the and it grew on the aesthetics area uh, for skin rejuvenation, fat loss, uh, you know, controlling of wrinkles, hair growth. So a bunch of areas. So all this happened. Uh, based on the fairly well-established foundation of the activation of the cells, the, the, uh, the mitochondria and the cells. And the mitochondria's job is to traditionally understood to be creating energy. So all the energy you know, that you have coming from basically other maintaining the body or doing extra things are generated from ATP or the cellular energy in the mitochondria. Um, the interesting thing is when you deliver light, and this is what photobiomodulation is all about, um, it gets into the, uh, the mitochondria, more specifically in the respiratory chain, where, you know, where this process goes on into creating ATP, the cellular energy. And then it began to close in into a particular enzyme in the respiratory chain uh, that apparently has this chromophores that receive the red to near infrared light. So basically, within this spectrum, to synthesize ATP, uh, some other signaling molecules like ROS, which is a, which is a uh, is an oxidant reactive oxygen species at low and transient level. And that also is a signaling molecule. So between the ATP, RS, and some other stuff, um, 
it goes into this gene transcription that then translates into uh, healing, you know, into better cellular integrity. Uh, you're talking about mitosis and, you know, you're talking about anti-inflammatory, uh, resistant to diseases, a uh, bunch, bunch of things. Now, in the meantime, while it is doing this, it releases something called nitric oxide. Uh, normally, when the mitochondria is not performing really well, it's there's some clogging of the, uh, you know, of the respiratory chain by nitric oxide. So that gets released back into the body, and then uh, nitric oxide is associated with uh, vasodilatation, which is relaxing your blood vessel walls, and you get obviously then when that happens, you get uh, lower viscosity, better circulation, a uh, bunch of things. So that's uh, that comes down to that. So photobiomodulation is delivering of light into the body or the brain in some way, modulating it and creating good things. So if you don't mind, I want to double click on a couple of things there because there is an importance here of wavelength, but also the dose of light. And, you know, in some preparation before this, I was reading a little bit about this being sort of the first and second laws of photobiology. Do you mind just going into the importance of wavelength here, uh, but also the dosage? So, um, so light is really part of a, what we call electromagnetic wave, right? And that is, you know, the whole spectrum of electromagnetic wave uh, covers uh, you know, very, very long wavelength, like your FM radio. So long wavelength penetrates walls, it travels distances. So you can imagine it penetrates a lot of things. So very, very short wavelength, high energy. Um, you don't want too much of it because of the energy. You're talking about X-ray, gamma wave. Um, those are considered radioactive and you want to avoid it. So so the, the light, the... Um, the Part of the spectrum of the electromagnetic wave is where light is and where we use it. So again, light covers um, anything from ultraviolet, which is short, high energy, relatively, to longer wavelength, like infrared. So between the shorter ultraviolet and the infrared, light becomes invisible. So in between, you get visible light. And that is from, uh, you know, indigo to blue to green to yellow to red, and then you infrared. So, um, so within that, so you see shorter wavelength, which is blue to longer wavelength, like red and infrared, uh, comes into play. Now, the the longer the wavelength, as I've said, the greater the penetration. And we know that in photobiomodulation, you want between red and infrared. So when you introduce, uh, say, red to your skin, it doesn't penetrate very deeply. And uh, so you get effects in these superficial areas, but the efficacy can be taken deeper by other indirect signaling, uh, circulatory factors, and so on. Longer wavelengths, goes more, uh, penetrates more deeper, 
So if you want to treat something deeper into the tissue, uh, you want to use the infrared. So, so there are some good things. You know, they, they all have the advantages. And we found that, uh, for example, you know, when we introduce light, say, through the nose, the, the nose, uh, also called intranasal light therapy or mm -hmm. modulation, uh, is a very quick way to reach your blood vessels. Mm -hmm. In the 80s, the Russians were publishing articles in the Russian language, injecting light into the vein. It's still practiced today, uh, where you introduce laser, it's you know, very, very low power, and then you get these outcomes. Improved blood, blood circulation, and anti-inflammatory factors building up, you know, a bunch of things. So that is introducing in an invasive manner. Now, if light can penetrate the membrane or your skin, uh, you don't really have to do that. So you introduce the nose uh, because it is very close to a capillary-rich area. Mm -hmm. where there's high density of blood vessels and capillaries, and red can reach that, and then it gets circulated throughout the body because we find a systemic effect from the body. Now, with the longer wavelengths, through the nose, it actually bypasses blood and water and actually reaches deeper and in, into your brain. Mm -hmm. So for sure, it reaches the olfactory bulb, which is yours the areas that processes smell right above the nasal cavity. And that's an important area because that area is actually part of your brain. And it has a direct projection or connection to the thalamus, which is an area of your brain where uh, it kind of like a, um, the manager of where to send signals to, to the rest of the brain, and also to the memory area, the hippocampal area of the brain. So it it should have a direct effect on the processing of memory. And uh, that's how, uh, you know, if you put your skin, it, you know, it can help with um, wound healing, it helps with you know, skin rejuvenation. Uh, if you add more power, uh, it may go deeper. Uh, if you go beyond near infrared to, to longer wavelength, the far infrared, uh, you will start getting absorption by water. Mm -hmm. So what what is what happens then is, uh, you know, it's when it gets absorbed by water, it starts agitating the water molecule, and it creates heat. Mm -hmm. So heat helps. It helps with comfort, and it does have you know it does have uh, stimulating qualities. You know, even some healing and so on. But in photobiomodulation, you really don't want to go uh, into the thermal effect of creating heat. Mm -hmm. So you want to avoid that because all you need is just deliver light to the cells, to the mitochondria mm -hmm. for that whole process to take place. So just real quick, because you mentioned intranasal uh, and you already stole my next question there about why you guys focus, but things like the ears, because there are other products out there that do shine light into the ears. Why doesn't that work uh, quite as effectively? I think it works. Uh, we haven't actually studied too much of that because if we can do it in through other parts of the head, we felt we didn't need to do it through the ears. 
but there are people who report, you know, it helps with you know, hearing and, you know, it is not been studied by us anyway. It seems to help with tinnitus, you know, this mm-hmm. in the ear. Uh, but we also find people reporting good outcomes in the ear, um, actually even in the eyes through intranasal. Mm-hmm. We uh, try to avoid the eyes and the ears uh, just because, for one, we found that we don't have to do it. And then secondly, uh, putting, you know, directing signals to your eyes and to the ears are distracting. Mm-hmm. And to the eyes, you've got to be really careful because if, if you're not careful, you you know, there's always the risk of um, damage because the, the eyes are really sensitive. Mm-hmm. And I try to... There is a group up there who is promoting... Um, Photobiomodulation for macular degeneration, mm-hmm. so it through the eyes, but it's got to be done by trained doctors, uh, who, you know, ophthalmologists who understand the eyes and know how to control the amount of those. Awesome. So now I want to transition to a little bit of what uh, we were talking about before in terms of the cognitive effects and sort of the work that you've done with the scientific community here. Because one of the things I love about V-Light is your dedication to science and a lot of what you've done in the papers you've sent me before. So do you mind just touching a little bit, and I know this is a broad topic because there's so many studies you've been a part a part of, talking a little bit about some of the benefits that you've seen, uh, mainly from a cognitive perspective, uh, from the intranasal photobiomodulation. Yeah. Um, so as a prelude, before we go into the efficacies, there's always this question about, you know, when you deliver light on the scalp or the nose to the brain, whether light can penetrate that deep and whether uh, the brain responds, and whether it does, you know, whether the brain responds in a good way. So, um, so to answer that question, and also to dispel, uh, in my opinion, some myths about having to use a lot of power for laser, I think there's high risk to try to get a penetration. So we published in scientific reports, uh, I think it was published, in April 2019, um, in a double-blind study, so it's well-controlled, when we deliver light with a gamma device, uh, we actually see pre- and post-20-minute session measured with EEG that the brain responds in really interesting ways. Now, this will um, also have to do with the efficacy later. Now, what we found was... um, the increase in the power of the higher frequencies like gamma, beta, and alpha. Uh, that's not quite surprising to us because we expected that to happen. And we're talking about fairly relatively low power from a device, so it's safe. Now, what we found most interesting is and unexpected was the uh, reduced reduction in the power of the slow waves. So like like uh, delta and theta. So the slow waves are to do with inattention, unable to focus, drowsiness, falling asleep. So that has a lot of relevance 
for people um, seeking to be able to pay attention in class for learning uh, because you are, if, if people are having problem with paying attention, for example, and very often that's correlated to too much power in the slow wave. So that's kind of, you know, having you somewhat trapped into that slow wave pattern and, and they could be having low power in high frequencies. So what this does is very clearly, it just reverse it and uh, allow you to pay more attention, focus and be able to perform. Now that's with the gamma. Mm-hmm. But that answers questions like, okay, does it work? Can it penetrate? So that got it. That gets this question out of the way. So now we can talk about. Uh, now we can. Now we can get an efficacy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now we have been, uh, and for me particularly, um, trying to focus on helping people with cognitive impairment. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the design or the way we make it idiot-proof and everything, uh, because you press a button, you just do anything, shuts up automatically. Uh, there's no dial to play around with, fiddling around with, you know, different frequencies, which, uh, you know, which we want to avoid for people with cognitive impairment, like uh, dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some really good, um, significant improvements in this in small studies uh, in case reports so we're talking about five people in our earlier study published two years ago uh, a recent study published by an independent researcher uh, from the University of California San Francisco on dementia patients uh, where she control she compared one group and not a lot of participants there were eight in total so half of them were inactive in, in a sort of, uh, in a usual care group where they continue to con- you know get med- uh, the usual uh, medical attention and caregiving, and another group uh, with you know the usual stuff plus with the neuro gamma, uh, the ones that's available publicly right now, mm-hmm. and the people on the active group actually improved. You know, in Alzheimer's, you don't talk about improvement. You don't talk about even, you know, uh, arresting the, the mental decline. You're talking about maybe slowing down the decline. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a drug out there, Aricept, it's been around for a very long time that can help Alzheimer's patients for six months and then they get back into this degeneration again. Yeah. So the improvement among them was significant, and she uh, she's a professor of radiology and psychiatry in UCSF, and she had imaging to back it up. So she had the, the study was over 12 weeks. So at the end of 12 weeks, you could see the fMRI imaging, which images uh, uh, the, the brain activity, the ability to process information in your brain over 12 weeks, and that's measured through blood perfusion. So that's really great because, uh, so she did cognitive assessment, the usual stuff that neurologists do to assess what, you know, for Alzheimer's patient, what your mental state is, your cognitive ability, plus is backed by, by real imaging. So that, that says a lot, but, you know, small studies, we can't make a claim yet. Uh, we have to get, regulatory clearance to be able to make a claim. And we want to be able to get huge 
solid data too. So we started a, a big Alzheimer's study that is uh, reviewed by FDA already. This is the one that's in phase three right now, right? Uh, actually, medical device, it doesn't, it's not quite like drugs. You don't go through phase one, two, and three. Okay. Uh, you are, you know, given a, a protocol. So you're given, you know, an agreed number of patients. So mm-hmm. in this case, 228 patients. Over eight uh, research or clinical sites across North America. Mm-hmm. They want these numbers to be statistically robust. Mm-hmm. And then it is a double blind. So the uh, the person who administer the, the treatment doesn't know which is real, which is not. And the patient doesn't know either. So they're both blinded. Um, so that's why it's called double blind. So it's very robust control and everything. Now it is early stage. I don't know. I, I never like to. So, so if I ask you to comment on this right now, it's probably the wrong time, right? Uh, no, how is it going? How, how is it going? I just thought we don't know, but okay. I want to say that uh, uh, we want to be able to stand up in front of everybody and say, okay, we did a robust study in getting this, but there are already published smaller studies that show that this works. So it is, you know, we well, we walk in there with optimism because the improvements were, were much higher than any of the published literature on the efficacy of drugs and other kind of brain stimulation method for Alzheimer's disease. So on the clinical side, uh, we're doing, uh, we're about to start a, a study on traumatic brain injury mm-hmm. um, with Boston University. Is this predominantly on, is it on sports players or is it just people with any sort of TBI in general? Uh, it's TBI in general. Okay. Uh, but I expect that some of the football players are going to be. Mm-hmm. Let's interrupt our regularly scheduled programming to talk a little bit about a product and company I'm in love with. And that is the V-Lite. My particular device is the Neuro Alpha. And let me tell you a little bit about my N of one benefits. Better sleep. Better focus and less anxiety when it comes to things like public speaking and increased ability to really drop into flow. But you can check out their website, which is full of all kinds of scientific articles and research in this world of intranasal photobiomodulation. And if you want to check out a device, we have a little bit of a coupon code for you. You can use the coupon code SUPERHUMAN to get 10% off your purchase. That's VLIGHT, V-I-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com, and use the code SUPERHUMAN for 10% off. Uh, while, while I'm talking about this, there is a retired football player. Uh, you can Google you know, his, his blog. His name is Larry Carr. So last name is Carr, C-A-R-R. Yeah, I'm familiar. Okay, so he's uh, in the Hall of Fame for uh, Brigham Young University. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so he's like, you know, he had uh, impairments. He's, you know, he was really in a bad. I think you learn, you know, a lot by just going to his Google his name and see what he's going to say. Mm-hmm. But he recovered and he's normal. And uh, he's he's going to be helping us to recruit and you know, do some studies on traumatic brain injury as well as performance and see whether we can improve performance uh, because it still has links to coaches and players and, and so on. 
So that's uh, Australia is using our device and some other things, but looking at photobiomodulation for Parkinson's disease. So that's another area that's very interesting. Uh, that's super interesting because there's a lot of conversation around the gut right now on Parkinson's disease, but I would love to hear what you're doing there. Yeah, so we developed a device called the X-Plus, which has an LED module that get, that can be positioned anywhere in your body, including your gut. Mm -hmm. And Australia is really interested to see because they had a, they published studies too on photobiomodulation and its effect on the, bio, the biodiversity of the microbiome. So the more diversity it is, the better it is. Um, they've been publishing animal studies and treating the gut and getting uh, symptoms of Parkinson's improved. And I think they have a paper now that's pending publication on, um, well, just on a brain and with fMRI on healthy brains and see what imaging are. It's, it's going to be really interesting. I don't want to preempt what's going to be published, but it makes a lot of sense in why uh, we have seen, uh, again, we haven't done a clinical trial, still waiting with these guys, but people have responded um, you know, with symptoms of Parkinson's and improving in their movement disorder. So, uh, so you know, quite a number of stuff going on on the clinical side. Uh, we are looking to ADHD and a bunch of other things. But on healthy brains, and I think that let's, might interest your audience. Yeah, let's get into the healthy brains because you sent me a couple of articles and I want to talk about those. <laughs> okay. There is some work going on now on um, in seeing how it can improve on the cognitive performance. And there is a uh, study that it hasn't been published because um, they want to do a more robust clinical trial, but a couple of single blind studies uh, with fairly large number of uh, healthy uh, young, the many college students, um, you know, going, going through the process of a computer, almost like a computer game where they used it to train um, uh, soldiers to be able to um, detect threats and respond to threat. So using the NeuroGamma, they found that the improvement in processing this versus a placebo was very significant. We're talking about a large effect size of 1.4. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to see... So just to re recap there, Lou, what we're looking at is an effect of 1.4 times after using the NeuroGamma versus using whatever the the sham or you know alternative was. Is that right? No, actually, effect size in statistical measurement okay. um, is measuring its significance. Okay. So uh, to put in perspective, point, point 0.3 is normal. Okay, got it. Below point 0.3 is below, and point 0.5 is actually pretty large. So it is. So yeah, this, it this is massive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it is very unusual. So, um, so that's, uh, and I can see why that's happening, because now that goes back to what I, I said earlier about you know, when you induce gamma 40 hertz, uh, you see these changes in alpha, beta, gamma. Mm -hmm. 
and actually re reducing the power of the slow waves. Um, and when you increase the power of the gamma, what you're doing is in gamma, gamma is is a place that your brain is not always there unless it's, it's processing information, but it's not like uh, paying attention and trying to understand something, you know, that's more in a beta range. But gamma is like, you get there and your brain start pulling resources from other parts of your brain and your senses uh, to make it perform better. So advanced meditators, and I go into meditation now. Uh, mm -hmm. So advanced meditators, and if you meditate for a long time, maybe you have it too, you might have, uh, you know, a you know, um, permanent and endogenous gamma in your mm -hmm. brain. So you're walking around with high frequencies. And I think advanced meditators could be, so when we're talking, when we talk about gamma, it's from 30 hertz to whatever. People say it's to 50, you look at the literature, some say you're 80, but let's leave it as from 30 to beyond, high gamma, whatever. But uh, EEG has been only has been able to measure gamma up to generally uh, 40 to 50 hertz with a lot of equipment. And a lot of EEG equipment still are not able to measure beyond high beta, 30, 35, maybe mm -hmm. 25, 30, 30 hertz, you know. Uh, so gamma, measuring gamma is fairly recent because when you go to that high frequencies, a lot of artifacts come in, your body function affects it, the pitching of the muscles, you know, all this stuff get red. So people say, oh, you can't measure gamma because of what's going on. But I think today's software is able to filter out some of that. And if you're really an expert in EEG, you can actually go to the raw EEG data and start cleaning out the data and get what is what is observed. So the best EEG equipment now goes up around 75 hertz, but you can't measure beyond, beyond that. So it is a puzzling thing. But how we are able to find that uh, uh, peop the high frequency gamma is able to draw a response is from high level meditators. People who have logged in thousands of hours of meditation, uh, also the, the gurus, you know, the meditation teachers uh, with names like Kuladasa and Shinjin Yang, uh, mm -hmm. uh, they are very high level and they can report where they're experiencing frequency sh uh, shift. So an, mm -hmm. an altering of the, of the mental state, an altered state. Uh, so we find that when we um, change the frequency, it's not available publicly yet. It's in our research prototype where we can pulse from zero hertz up to like 10,000 hertz. And we mm -hmm. can do a screen, you know, and just going. And people report getting into that altered state and depending on you, uh, could be 80, could be 100 hertz, 120, 200, 120 seems to be a common. Mm -hmm. um, 200 hertz for more advanced and even beyond. Uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, we had a woman go to 300, but as she goes beyond that, she feels less. Wow. And someone's asking me to do, you know, well, he's, he has his tune up to 1000 hertz. And that's for him, but he's a very advanced meditator. 
and he's mm-hmm. been playing around with the device for a while. So, uh, so we're going to do a meditation study, <laughs> um, and uh, the the problem is, you you can't measure people's experience in consciousness. There's no EG doesn't go beyond it. Or we're going to use the EG to try and understand it. Yeah, it's kind of kind of hard to figure out what that altered state is for certain people, right? Because yeah, what is it? Um, you know, you get into you know, understand you meditate. So if you're advanced, you get into a state, you recognize it. Maybe you're you know you're more you be begin to shut out with distraction out there. You're more in tune, kind of like more in a way to the, to the universe, to your body. Um, some kind of feeling, you know, feeling of universal empathy and, and all the good stuff. So uh, people get there uh, maybe through psychedelics, mm-hmm. um, psilocybin, you know, magic mushroom, or ayahuasca. So we have people who are experiencing in psychedelic getting there without using psychedelics. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, this guy, you know, he has used ayahuasca and he went into that state where he experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now he doesn't have to go to Peru to go and do this with a nasty side effect. You just saved it. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to go through the vomiting experience and you can just, you can get it in the comfort of your own home. So it's, it's really interesting. I think uh, we haven't done much for novice meditator. Um I think like the alpha, you know, for a long time, meditation is mixed, associated with high power and alpha, some studies in the 90s. Uh, you always have data there, there because you get into a deep, you know, deeper state that is present. But I think there's coupling going on. Now, uh, so for for beginners, uh, maybe the alpha, you know, when they try to meditate, gets them there quickly. Uh, we haven't done that study yet. Mm-hmm. Just... We've been dragged by these advanced meditators to look for more experience. So, so we get dragged into this really fascinating world of deep meditation, you know. Mm-hmm. So there is this cognition, there's meditation, you know, it's meditation. And we're looking into sports performance too. Uh, we have some elite athletes using uh, both the alpha gamma, um, you know, just with the alpha seems to draw a uh, better response in the field, on the courts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there is so, I think one day we're going to be able to get people's EEG profile, see what your profile is, see where you're lacking, why, you know, try to get answers to questions like why you're not performing to your potential in the field. Mm-hmm. Is it panic? Is it, you know, stress? What is it? So maybe we can correct that, and, you know, and get with now that we know the brain respond to to near infrared light, uh, mm. we can maybe get people's brains sorted out before an event. Maybe it could be public speaking, it could be it could be performance in the field, it could be taking an exam, or it could be just you know learning disability. Uh, plenty of things we can look at. Absolutely. And I, I already told you before this, and because I think in a way public speaking is like 
athletic performance for the mental athlete. I, I will be guinea pigging this one myself very, very soon. So I'm looking forward to that one as well. If you don't mind, Lou, I want to shift into V-Lite itself in terms of the products, because you mentioned the Neuro Alpha and the Neuro Gamma, and I want to just sort of distinguish between those, but also you have the X Plus and a wide suite of products. And it's almost as if sometimes there's a paradox for choice on the the website. And I just want to make sure that we can distinguish the benefits of each for people just to make it easy for them to understand. Can we go through that if you don't mind? Yeah, uh, so I've got to say that we are restricted from what we can say. Okay. Um, that's for regulatory reasons. So it's so I wish I have a handbook and say, okay, you have this, then you can use that. But then um, I, it's not fair because then we, we, we're saying things that what we are speculating to be happening, but we haven't done clinical trials and, and we don't want to step on the foot of regulators as well. Of course. But... Uh, but the devices out there, and I guess, you know, uh, unfortunately, people may have to do some education. Mm-hmm. There are lots of stuff out in the internet, um, various frequencies and their discussion forums. I don't go, I don't know what's being said necessarily all over the internet, but I, I get these reports. Now, uh, so we have uh, a range of products. You know, we started with, with intranasal. I think we were one of the first in the world with patent that. Uh, I explained earlier why we did intranasal. Mm-hmm. Then um, we found that um, when you add this delivery on the scalp, actually it improves it further. Now we now why do we have modules in certain position? So they're there for a reason. It's not for decorative reasons. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they're pointing at the, the nodes of the default mode network. Mm-hmm. Uh, why the default mode network? It is it's just like a kind of a template network in your brain. So there are plenty of networks. If you're not doing a task, if you're resting, close your eyes, you're actually, is you're both in the alpha state and you're in the default mode network. So your brain is, your brain is always active, it's always doing something. And, uh, and if you get your default mode network right, it's, it's probably going to influence the other networks get it right as well. Now, I had to, I picked a default mode network when I wanted to address Alzheimer's disease because uh, Alzheimer's, like a bunch of other things, you know, that includes a lot of other disorders. Uh, you you just name them, you know, it just covers many. Um, but in Parkinson's imaging, um, the lesions are found in virtually the same spot as the default mode network, the nodes. So if you can uh, try and clear, first of all, if you can strengthen the default mode network, you help people with cognitive impairment. If you can, the right photobiomodulation, the light, the infrared light to this, uh, the nodes, you are also theoretically helping to clear the lesions that are accumulated in these areas. So it's a double whammy thing. Um, and uh, you want your default mode generally to be healthy. So, uh, you know, studies have found chronic pain to be associated with it. Uh, 
you know, PTSD, stress, you know, this mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, Parkinson's, um, schizophrenia, so so many things. So, so we we don't know what the effect is, but generally we want to get the default mode network well. So that's uh, and you know, getting that well also improves your mental performance too. So that's one aspect of it. The notes actually point to. Uh, I mentioned from the olfactory bulb to the hippocampal area. That is also one of the nodes of the mm-hmm. default mode network. And if you, it's really hard to reach it from the head, but it does help from the nose. So, and then we, um, now why do we pulse at 10 hertz alpha? So we started at alpha actually. And it wasn't because, um, well, it was partially because we wanted to get, you know, when you rest. Alpha helps with a number of things. Uh, like I say, early studies have talked about, you know, improving your consciousness and meditative state, but I think you want higher studies. But it also helps with stress. You know, when you're stressed, you're having, a, a, you know, a stress, a PTSD, for example. Um, so theoretically speaking, again, you know, we need to do a study. Uh, you want to want alpha rather than gamma because uh gamma doesn't seem to be good so you got to be got to know what you're doing there as well mm-hmm. and uh, alpha is associated in the animal study done at harvard um so rats that have been simulated with traumatic brain injury recover fastest when they are directed with near infrared light like what we do um i didn't say about much about the exact wavelength but they use like those 810 nanometers yeah um and uh and pulsing at 10 hertz versus no pulse versus 100 hertz 200 hertz um actually the 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 rats the mice i think they were they were rats i think uh recovering more quickly mm-hmm. from the brain injury mm-hmm. so we took that and say okay you know theoretically it's it's Helps the brain to heal uh, when you have concussion, traumatic brain injury. And in our studies, we're going to be using uh, alpha unless you have CTE, which is, you know, the um, chronic traumatic uh, brain injury uh, from, from constant hitting of the brain. So, mm-hmm. we so if there are signs of impairment, then we, we introduce a gamma. So sorry, just real quick there. So if you have signs of impairment, let's say I'm a linebacker in the National Football League, that which they take a lot of hits to the head, right? Or a running back even. Yeah. You would introduce the gamma. And to the extent you're able to comment on this, and I guess a lot of this is theoretical and what we're talking about here, that would be introducing the gamma first, then the alpha or the inverse? I would generally use the alpha. Yeah. Um because you know it helps to recover. Mm-hmm. Now then I can go on to talk more about the gamma. Yep. So again, you know, I I actually uh, looked at what frequency to use based on. Primarily, I want to make a good device for Alzheimer's patients, dementia patients. Mm-hmm. Now, why do we use the gamma? In uh, you know studies, I think quite a number of these are published. Uh, in 2016 and maybe a bit earlier 
on memory encoding, encoding of memory. And uh, these studies are saying that when the brain goes through a process of memory encoding, uh, they find that when gamma is also present, a couple of things happen. Uh, one of which is, is that it reduces um, the amount of toxicity in your brain because every time your brain processes information or to try to encode memory, uh, there is a creation of this activity in the brain. Uh, they call it the sharp wave ripples. Mm-hmm. And that excitation can create byproducts in the brain that leads to toxicity, there's deposits that need to be removed. Um, so two things are happening when the gamma is present. One is it seems to reduce the incidence of toxicity and therefore this byproducts. Um, so that's one of which. So it bet, it helps with memory encoding better. And then they, um, there was a study that published that was published in the, at the end of 2016 by MIT, uh, looking at uh, animals, I think the mice again, uh, when they pounce light at 40 times a second in in a cage where the rats or the mice were in an enclosed environment, this flickering light of 40 hertz, they found that um, the this, the biomarkers of Alzheimer's, like beta amyloid deposits, mm-hmm. were reduced. So when the mice were exposed once a day for uh, seven days, after seven days, for an hour a day, actually the the deposits were reduced by more than 50%. So they improved. Wow. And the other thing was very interesting, very interestingly, it activates the microglia. So microglia are brain cells, mm. They go around your brain, and when you're resting, you know it. It uh, it goes with the the brain's lymphatic system to clear the unwanted debris in your brain, just unwanted stuff. Uh, this this deposits, you know, pat- pathogens are not supposed to be there. So you activate the good, the non-inflammatory type of brain cells. So that's so for Alzheimer's, that's uh, important. So so forty hertz, you know, we found that. But there are other studies um, that are not <clears throat> uh, clinically related. They could, you know, 40 hertz. Uh, the past studies seems, like I mentioned, in meditation, consciousness, um, and uh, seem to also improve uh, cognitive processing. So, so that's, uh, you know, there's a, but there are uh, some side effects. So if you're really stressed, you don't really want 40 hertz in your brain. Mm-hmm. Got to go to alpha. Yeah. Um, so uh, there are, you know, when we did some early testing, some people report that their minds are really active. They're sharp with, with the gamma 40 hertz. A couple of people say I couldn't. They couldn't sleep that particular night. Yeah. But it's temporary. Uh, so you know, you get a mind active and so on. It doesn't happen to everybody. People are different. That. Uh, you know, it does help in cognitive processing, but we got to watch, you know, people using gamma have to feel, you know, what is, whether they have a side effect, what mm-hmm. time of the day is better. Um, so people like me, I use it anytime I can sleep with a gamma, but some people can't. <laughs> yeah. So suffice to say with, <clears throat> let's say you have your stress kind of 
or let's say even, you know, first a person who's kind of stressed that may be listening to this, uh, the right path to go down is to deal with the stress first through something like the neuro alpha. And then when you're ready to go into cognitive ninja mode, going into that neuro gamma, would that, I mean, this is my own speculation here. Would that be okay? Yeah. I think if you're, uh, I think not everybody's undergoing stress mm-hmm. anxiety at that particular moment. They want to be able to perform, so so the gamma, you know, is, is probably you know something they can try right away. Absolutely. We don't have a lot of problems. People just using the gamma, they they come up. It all depends on the guy. Um, a lot of people say they don't feel anything, but I know if I put an EEG on them, uh, the brain has you know has has some modulation going on. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the X plus before I ask you one last question? Uh, the X plus in terms of, cause you have the neuro alpha, the neuro gamma, even the duo, which is both, but the X plus, do you mind just talking a little bit about yeah, what that so, is? So when we produce the, the neuros, which is the alpha and gamma, I talk about having them positioned at certain, on certain parts of the head, but we couldn't reach the back of the head, the cerebellum, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes you can move it to the brainstem or the vagus nerve. So, um, and so it needed another supplementary device that is complementary to the neuro. You don't have to use it all the time. And the X plus can be used for its own purposes as well. So when we point to the cerebellum, the cerebellum is to do with, um, you know, reaction time balance. Um, it is, you know, it's also to do with movements when you, uh, when you have, you know, a, the shakes, you know, um, the tremors, which is high frequency tremors, it may not be Parkinsonian. Parkinsonian tremors are a little bit slower. It has it's more to do with certain parts of your brain that involves in the, the basal ganglia, uh, mm-hmm. substantial nigra, and some of the other parts in the midbrain. So, um, and then, you know. Um, so you 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 add this, so you can move it to the brainstem that area. It can improve some of this this uh, movement that are associated with cerebellum. And I believe the X plus, uh, even athlete, it can improve your reaction time, your mm-hmm. and so on. So that is a supplementary area. It can be moved to your vagus nerve. Um, I I'm gonna so we're gonna be studying on you know what's what we can do. And that particular area on the neck where is, you know, the excess of vagus nerve, I, I think, is, I'm hypothesizing here, we could, we could go into a study with PTSD using this. You can position yeah. it on the, the thymus gland, uh, which is somewhere in the chest. Uh, the thymus gland produces the white blood cells, the, the T cells, why, that's why it's called T for thymus, mm-hmm. that may help with uh, boosting your immune system. Wow. Example, it can be positioned on your gut. Um, again, theoretically, uh, you have to be proven to have the, the microbiome diversity. It seems to work on animals, so so we'll, you know, we'll see what what happens with that. And the X plus also have a a red intranasal rather than an inf- near infrared intranasal, which is mm-hmm. visible red. So when you put that together with neuro, you're having a, a more holistic, um, you know, delivery of further biomodulation to your body because now you're treating 
deeper in your brain and then you're having this red that goes more to your system in general and the health of your brain also depends on the health of your body mm -hmm. so it's kind of holistic and you know if if the uh you know if the budget allows i think it's really good to have them used together the neurons and the x plus wow now, one of the, I have to ask this question because I've already told you the positive effects that I feel with it in terms of sleep, but also just being able to take it down for a level and focus. And this is just the neuro alpha, but in the packaging, you guys say, don't use it every day. Why is that? Here's a reason. In photobiomodulation, there is something called the biphasic response uh, too little nothing happens too much you get overstimulation mm -hmm. and uh, when you get overstimulation uh, you start off by uh, you know stagnation in your improvement and inability to improve more or even get into a negative effect so there's a window where um, where you know it's efficacious it's good for you but it is different from every, you know, between, you know, uh, people. So for some people, they, maybe they could do it every day and there's no effect, especially we recommend every day for six days a week, you know, clinical trial for, for Alzheimer's disease because uh, they, have, they have atrophy in the brain, the brain is shrunk. There's a lot of work to do there, right? <laughs> yeah, and then they are not sensitive. Yeah. They're not very sensitive. But they're on the other side of the scale. There are people who are really sensitive. There are mm -hmm. some people who have so much ability in a mental state that the moment that you turn on the neuro, it's super uncomfortable. They got to take it off. So some of these are energy medicine workers. Uh, they do this, you know. Yeah, they can, you know, at the so whether you believe it or not, there are people. I think are talented. Uh, there are trained Qigong masters yeah. uh, who can do incredible things, um, but they have so such a high level of energy, you can't put a neuro on them. Because I mm -hmm. tried. So my first prototype, you know, he's like, yeah, I feel this, you know, just with the nasal, he, he, I feel this flow of energy. Uh, this is a very high level Qigong master. He can do, you know, you can Google and some of these guys can do quite incredible things. Mm-hmm. I had a neural prototype. The moment I turned on, he removed his from his head. He said, this is, this is so powerful. I'm using his word here. You can wake a dead person. <laughs> wow. So that, is, that is how he described it, so much power. So, so there are two sides of the scale. And, and, uh, and I usually say, you know, we just a nasal because they're really low power. You can do it every day. A uh, number of people can do it twice a day. The neuro is a more powerful version. Just the nasal part of the neuro is already twice the power of the A10 intranasal unit. Wow. Then you're adding all this other stuff to the brain, then you add this. You may want to add the X plus. Uh, for some people, it's okay. Maybe you can do it, you know, uh, those who have suffered some chronic brain stuff, they have impairment, they may be able to use it once a day, but it's hard to tell uh, without going through more diagnosis with EEG and whatever, um, I would say for safety reasons, once every two days is probably enough 
for most people. That's good to hear. Although <laughs> it's funny to hear somebody who has a device that is as powerful as this and, or actually it's refreshing to hear that is as powerful and does have as positive effects as it does on me. I want to be using it every day, but if the idea is continuous improvement rather than stalling out, I guess I want to space it out. Young, I thought a little bit more about that. Um, you can try it every day and just, you know, have a good feel. You know, if you, so I tell people, if you've used it, for some people who've got some problems that are, you know, more chronic and I, I sense that they can use it every day. But I tell them, when you feel and you recognize improvements, okay, this is not intuitive. So people feel that improve, they want to use more. Actually, the opposite should, should happen. When you improve, you use less because mm -hmm. it's working on you. Now, this thing about photobiomodulation is when you treat it once, the effect may last from a few hours to several days. Mm -hmm. So just imagine, you know, you keep using it, you're actually accumulating the dose to a point where it may be counterproductive. Yeah. So, so just be aware of this principle. And I've got to be, you know, in workshops, I'll be teaching that, you know. Now, I go down to the mechanisms of understanding something about this. So I go back to, and not many people, you know, explain it this way. The cells go through this process where it's receiving, like I said, the mitochondria, cytochrome C oxidase, uh, receiving this, this energy and building up until a point when it reaches its balanced state. Mm -hmm. They call it homeostatic state. And all of us always have a set point. So it doesn't respond anymore, actually, uh, when you keep it at a low level. Now, if you push it, you might be able to do that. Now, what happens is activities like this actually activate the release of, I mentioned ROS, reactive oxygen species, mm -hmm. which is an oxidant. So you don't want too much of that. It's low level and your body just clears it away. And, you know, even what's happening with low level, it helps clear that away too. Uh, so it does its signaling and be done with it. If you have too much of it, so imagine it's an oxidant. It's delivering this damaging uh, singlet oxygens into your body and giving you the opposite effect. So, so you want to avoid pushing it beyond homeostasis, keep it low level, mm -hmm. be patient. <laughs> Dr. Lim, this has been an absolute pleasure. And, you know, I could spend hours with you asking questions about this device because it's fascinating, but I want to thank you for creating it. And as a person who's sort of, dealt with, as I've mentioned before, sort of sleep issues, as well as just generally being sort of, you know, a little bit of a perfectionist. This is this device I know is going to help me quite a bit. So thank you for creating it. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been a fun session. So I have to close out with the final four questions. And you can think of these as rapid fire questions that I ask everybody. And so the first question is, how do you unplug? Um, I don't know. I just enjoy being active mentally. Uh, I, I go to the movies. and Actually, I'm not a meditator, surprisingly. <laughs> Maybe mm -hmm. I should. Uh, but I, I just, 
I go to the gym, you know, I, I play squash. So, so I do that kind of stuff. Yeah. What's your top trick? And you may be biased after listening to this conversation, but uh, what's your top trick for improving your focus? Um, well, I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> or if we can remove, we can remove the bias and say, aside from photobiomodulation, what would be your top trick? I actually haven't thought about it, but uh, I think when I get interested in a topic, and I'm always always using always doing something to further my knowledge to educate myself. I, I love it, you know. I just go into it. Like I say when I want a break, I turn on the mm -hmm. TV. The you know, actually my TV is on very frequently. It's in the background, uh, so I switch attention. So I'm not like hundred percent engrossed in learning and you know researching all the time. So I have a breaks, and I make it a point. Um, you know, of doing something different, like going to the gym, which is almost, to me, it's almost like meditative, mm -hmm. mindfulness, you know. And uh, once in a while, I do nothing. And uh, and the focus, yeah, I think focus, because I do so many interesting things, is doesn't seem to be a problem. <laughs> right That's now. great. That's great. What book has significantly impacted you, your life, and how you show up to perform in it? Actually, I don't have a particular book. Uh, I read constantly. I okay. I read new materials that come out constantly. And when I have, a, you know, an area that I can't find, I just go on Amazon and just order the books. And so I have an array of books. At the moment, at the moment, I am actually uh, learning more about uh, consciousness because I want to see whether we can create super brains, you know. <laughs> First of all, okay, uh, you know, here's a confession. I want to see if I can elevate my brains even further. Yeah. Uh, so I'm too lazy to meditate, but I seem to be able to do this functioning without going there. And I, I, I do a lot of discussion with my meditative friends. Mm -hmm. So I go to that. I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking at some new theories on quantum physics and consciousness. So I think that's where I'm going to. I don't read novels. I don't have time for that. Uh, so if I want to read novels, I turn on the television, goes in the movies. <laughs> I hate myself. But. Beautiful. Well, I'm on board for that ride for kind of elevating, I guess, consciousness or brain states. That's kind of how I came up with the name, Decoding Superhuman. So, you know, I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what super brains look like. Yeah, wonderful. I yeah, uh, follow us, watch us. I think uh, your for you know your audience can subscribe to our newsletter. Mm -hmm. uh, we do it every month. It tells uh, about what's going on and particularly uh, you know research findings, new stuff we're doing. Uh, we don't you know some stuff are ongoing, so we can't say in detail everything. Of course, but uh, yeah, watch us. Um, you know, as we we play around with the parameters, I mentioned frequency is one of them. You know, on the prototype NeuroPro that we have for research, we have additional modules. So the module of the X plus is actually part of it. And mm -hmm. we have additional modules apart from the default mode network, two more on areas, positions called, we call the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex which is often associated with my mem working memory. 
and cognition as well. So we're going to have that, and the and we'll be able to turn off and on selective modules on the brain. So we can, uh, you know, we can have two modules on particular parts of the brain communicating. Mm-hmm. So we can either improve the coherency or the synchrony between two spots, or cut off by getting it out of phase. So there are complicated things, but you know, uh, so it allows us to do a lot more and to be able to fine tune each person's brain. And the vision for for, for me is um, in a few years, we might be able to create a closed loop system where we say, okay, something wrong with your brain, something's not right, you know, you know, we go and connect to maybe to the cloud, to the database, can spot it and automatically adjust the parameters and get it right. Mm-hmm. Or you want, you're looking for a certain kind of performance. So we have your EEG profile and see, okay, what you need to do. And, you know, all this can be, in fact, now we, um, we can already control it with a smartphone parameters um, and wireless. So we want to improve the interface more. Uh, so just watch out and see what we discover. I think it's going to be fun. Excellent. And We'll link to the website, which is vlight.com. Is there any other place where uh, the audience can follow you guys? I believe Instagram, your customer service has been fantastic on Instagram, by the way. Thank you. I'll, I'll let them know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Dr. Lim, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been an absolute pleasure. And you know, on behalf of the audience, I'm very grateful. Thank you, Boomer. To all the superhumans listening out there, have an absolutely epic day. Superhumans, before you go, if you enjoy the episode, if you enjoy all of our episodes, head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. It would really, really help get the word out on what we're doing here at Decoding Superhuman. Feedback. If you want to give us direct feedback or you want to see us cover a specific topic, whether on the shorter episodes or the longer episodes, head on over to your email and email us at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. For those of you who have sent emails to that address, you know that I respond to every single one. And then lastly, would you like 300 to 500 words of highly curated information on how to upgrade performance? If so, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com slash throwdown and you'll get our next issue of The Throwdown, which is our 300 to 500 word highly curated digest, if you will, on what's going on in the field of performance. Enjoy your day, superhumans, and thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's episode.